Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and nice adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus-year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you've got an extra buck or two lying around and would like to be a patron of this podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by George Harrison. I've heard that while the show was on, there were no reported crimes, or very few. When the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, even the criminals had a rest for ten minutes. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 76. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you this week on a wet, dreary day here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Two of my top 10 favorite musicians of all time passed away recently, Chuck Berry and James Cotton. Although they lived long, full lives, it's still a bummer, and I really wish I would have seen them live. If you want to binge on more Chuck Berry music besides the timeless Johnny B. Good stuff, I'd suggest getting Chuck's 1970 release, Back Home, especially for the song Tulane. As far as the innovative harmonica genius of James Cotton, I'd suggest getting his 1976 record, Live and On the Move, especially for the songs Hot and Cold and Flip, Flop, Fly. Last week's Geeks Wrap Up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. I usually listen to Jim Ross's The Ross Report while driving to the pub every week. I am saddened to hear of the sudden passing of his wife, Jan. Friday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. College friends Travich and LT, along with their dancing crew, are becoming staples at those shows. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rambled on down to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin to rock out at Phil Lynn Station's 38th anniversary party. It was a blast. I'm already looking forward to getting back there for our fall gig rotation. After the show, I enjoyed learning how Buddy Duels discovered Angel's Envy and Lori and Kara's history of Ursula's pretzels at the Tomahawk Lounge. Also, big thanks to Carter Schradle for doing a great job babysitting Copper the Wonder Golden while I was away. Shows. Wednesday, March 29th, 2017, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday, March 30th, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at the YZ Bar and Grill, a.k.a. the Muni, in YZ, Minnesota from 8 to 11 p.m. Friday, March 31st, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, April 1st, 
Brian K. Johnson, myself, will be loading up the old Yukon and heading up to Breezy Point, Minnesota to rock out at Commander Bar for April Gables Day from 5 to 9 p.m. Guest this week is part one of three with the John Lennon of the National Beatles tribute band Rubber Soul Mike McDonough. We discuss Beatles movies, concert for Bangladesh, the beginnings of Rubber Soul, etc. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Mike McDonough, welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm well, Mark, and how are you? I'm doing awesome, man. That's great. I just got here to uh, Mike's beautiful home in Afton, Minnesota. Uh, my car got stuck at the bottom of the driveway. Oh. Got a little snow. No, oh, no. So my little copper dog is down there waiting, but uh, she'll listen to your podcast later as we're editing it, whatever. So, <laughs> and Mr. Mike McDonough is uh, John Lennon of the National. Tribute band Rubber Soul. That's right. Think I ain't that. <laughs> That's a bit of all right. I know there's a ton of Beatles fans out there. I'm a huge Beatles mark myself, so I thought uh, Mike could be a great guy to have on the show. I met him at uh, Danny's in Stillwater over here. Oh, yeah. These guys came over and did some, sang some bad finger harmony with me. Even after you left, the bartender comes up and he goes, God, that guy's got a good harmony voice. <laughs> Talking about you. <laughs> oh, God. No, they've got a treasure in you playing over there. You're an, you're an amazing man in your own right. You've got well, so much talent. Well, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. So, uh, Rubber Soul, just, we were just talking, played down at uh, Diamond Joe's this weekend in Iowa, right? Diamond Joe's Casino in Dubuque. Yeah. Oh, Dubuque, yeah, Dubuque. Dubuque. Do you want to tell us how that all went? Oh, my gosh. It was, it was amazing. We've been down there. This is our third year. And usually we're down there for like a Valentine's Day thing, and they bumped it down a little bit towards St. Patty's Day for us. And so we were down there for two days and and uh, shared the fair with the locals on a Friday and Saturday. We did uh, two shows, an uh, early show during the day and one in the the uh, late afternoon. And it was just a great show. The, the crowds down there are amazing, amazing people. They're total Beatle fans, nuts, nuts down there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You're saying they had like uh, what was it movie screens or something like that they had shipped in oh. or a good sound stage and stuff? Oh, the the production was amazing. It was, it was anything short of a concert stage, and uh, the lighting and effects are, are first class. You ever get down to Dubuque? I, th- I think the Diamond Joe's up here in Clear Lake too. I think they've got one, but uh, there's a, there's a couple of them in a chain. But they've they've come a long way and they really put on a great show. But national acts all over. I think Brett Michaels is down there next week. That was really our, we left him notes in the dressing room. Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, oh sure, why not?
Like, don't drink all our beer and all that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah. So we're watching Hard Day's Night. That's what's on, yeah. It's been a I've never seen this, I don't think. Is this when the dad, Paul McCartney, is having a thing with his dad? Is that the one? His grandfather. His grandfather. Yeah, he's a clean old man, he is. Wow. So how old were they when they made Hard Day's Night, you think? Well, it was 1964. Um, they were like 24. Um, I'd imagine Lennon was like 24. Most of them 24. Uh, Ringo was probably 25. I think George was the youngest. He's 22, 23. Okay. So they were just, you know, they were just putting it out. Hard Day's Night was probably what they're fourth or fifth album something like that but they ran all the songs down for the movie and uh, they got hooked up with Richard Lester a man that did many many comedy uh, series in England uh, a great director I, I think he was kind of hooked up with the Monty Python troupe early in the years and George Harrison was a, a good friend of Richard Lester's so they, they all got together and uh, made the first it's it's almost like the first music video movie to ever come out because there's so many of their hit songs in there and doing stuff that's like a video movie video movie has a plot to it and everything but it has a lot of uh enjoyment with the the movie mixed in with the music and the video so it's what uh what popular songs are off a hard day's night movie oh hard day's night itself the title track um uh hide your love away whole album was was full of hits. Yeah. God. How many movies did they do? Um, they did uh, Hard Day's Night. They did Help. Help. Then they did a Magical Mystery Tour movie, which was totally off the wall. It was. It never got it, any kind of uh, accolades because it was so... They were kind of bent, hell-bent on between pot and LSD. So it was, <laughs> it was kind of a crazy mixture for them with the transition... Uh, from uh, Brian Epstein dying, they kind of went their own uh, way to see which way the band was going to go. And uh, um, they did that. And then they did, I think they did a movie, uh, a Let It Be movie. Just before they broke up, they did a movie on the, the whole Let It Be thing and all that. So Did they do one for Yellow Submarine, too? Well, they did do Yellow Submarine. You're right. Yeah, you're right on, on track. It was the cartoon yeah. soundtrack to the movie. Um I'm trying to think of the artist. His last name was Campbell that did the drawing. So I, have, I actually have an original drawing from Scott. I think it's Scott Campbell that did all the artistry. Kind of a Peter Max type. Are you kidding me? Artist. You have one of, the, one of his I, actual I drawings? Have, I have one out in the garage, yeah, out in oh, the barn hanging on the wall. Oh, I'll course. take you out there later. You yeah, can I'll give it a check peep. it out for sure. Yeah, yeah, so so do, you, do you like the quality of these Beatles movies compared to, like, let's say, Elvis who made movies? Oh, that's a that's a, that's like that's apples and oranges. There, Elvis was like a teen idol thing, whereas the Beatles, I think they just wanted to be they they, they wanted to be so Monty Pythonish. They were corny and smug and and brash and good looking. They know they had the the world coming up, you know they had, they had the world by their hands. So 
I'm a huge fan of Monty Python as well, but didn't George Harrison produce a number of the Monty Python films? Yeah, he he, he produced one that I'm sure of. I think it was The Life of Brian. Thomas takes the look at him. Understand? Yes, sir. Now, right out under times. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Hail Caesar, sir. Hail Caesar. If it's not done by sunrise, I'll cut your balls off. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Hail Caesar and everything, sir. Oh. Brian in the band would know that. Hey, Brian, if you're listening, you know which one it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brian's such a... He's more of a Beatle aficionado than I'll ever be, but... Uh, yeah, Harrison was a big, uh, mo- got into movies, spent a lot of his own money on movies. Did a movie, uh, Shanghai Surprise, with Madonna and Sean Penn, and total flop. <laughs> yeah. Wasted a lot of money on that, trying to get that going. But I think my favorite Harrison thing of all time has got to be uh, Concert for Bangladesh. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, if you uh, walk into my library there, you'll see the first album sitting out on there is the Concert for Bangladesh vinyl. Wow. Yeah, I grabbed How many that. times do you think you've seen that movie? Oh, dozens, dozens, yeah. dozens of times, yeah. Great movie, a lot of old flashbacks from people like Billy Preston and Leon Russell. and oh. um, Actually, a friend of ours, Joey Mullen from Badfinger, was in that. Ladies and gentlemen, Badfinger. Yeah, he actually autograph- he autog- autographed that album for me too. Um, yeah, I was in it. I was in it. He, yeah, he was uh, um, the Bad Apple Bad Finger Boys. Joey's still around. He's a good friend. Him and his brother Dougie. I saw him cut a promo for you guys on on one of your YouTube promo videos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was from Famous Dave's. He was uh, he was back in the back dressing room there. Just he did that all right off the cuff. Good guy. He's really good. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, Concert of Bangladesh has to be one of the biggest like concert movies besides like maybe The Last Waltz. It's got to be right up there, don't you think? Right, right. And it was the first concert to donate that much money to such a good cause. And, and they were, you know, that George Harrison made sure that all the money was donated for that. You know, they yeah they cost them a lot to put it on for for the for the the fees to get it all rolling. But they made a lot of money for Bangladesh for that. And what st- exactly was it for? Well, it was, what was going it, it, it on was there? for the starving people in Bangladesh. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, famine and hunger going on, India and all that. And, uh, yeah, that set a precedence, a precedence for uh, uh, concerts for benefits. You know, all of a sudden, everyone, you know, they uh, concerts were coming out of the woodwork for raising money for people. Country, Western concerts, uh, you know, rock concerts, everything. You know, raising money. It was a good thing because, you know, they're already, they're already millionaires and stuff. What do you do after you've had your last penny? You know, what do you do? You help other people. You, you, throw, Absolutely. you throw in the cuff. Yeah. What are some of your favorite or highlights in that concert, would you say? Oh, God. Um, Leon, Leon Russell's one of my favorite musicians of all time. Up on the wire. One side's ice and one is fire. It's a sir. Up on the tightrope, one side's hate and one is hope, but the top hat on my 
Russell, one of the biggest yeah. Leon marks of all time, and I really was bummed out when he passed away recently. But yeah. um, he's 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 a wild man on that movie. Oh God, yeah, yeah. He's he always he's if you've ever seen him live, even before he passed at the casinos, he was still alive. Uh, wild man. He's a Ted Nugent of keyboard players, you know, <laughs> pretty much of that. But uh, no, I, I there was a lot of good moments in that. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, um, Bob Dylan, George Harrison himself playing. Um, God, who else? It, it's My, just, his the live version of My Sweet Lord, I love that. Yeah, very good. That yeah. great key change in the middle just kind of just lifts everything up. I just love that. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, probably my favorite Harrison song is Beware of Darkness. Watch out now, take a beware. That's one of my yeah. That's one of my favorite. It gives me chills when you just when you just sang there. I just kind of went ooh yeah. That's that song strikes a chord with every musician. Did he do that one with Leon? I think, I think he, he started off and Leon comes in half with his right. song here. Right. Watch out now. Yeah, you can hear his will. you can hear his oh. southern voice kicking. Watch out now. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was that oh, was a man. great duet. Yeah, right. Billy Preston. What song did he do on there? It's like a gospelish song, and that's spectacular. Oh, um, oh, how does that one go? Um, just that's, that's the, the way, way God, God planned, planned it. it. That's the way you want I ha- it. To I had be. it when you had it. <laughs> Man, Billy Preston is incredible. Um, anyway, that's an awesome concert with George Harrison and Clapton and Bob Dylan. And and uh, isn't that the one where Ravi Shankar is, is at beginning playing the sitar? Yeah. And then everyone starts clapping. <laughs> they weren't even done. He was tuning it. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. He was getting a, he was getting accolades for tuning. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys ever gotten that in Rubber Soul? For tuning? Uh, yeah. So I guess we have once in once in a great. Yeah. <laughs> And that's Nora Jones's daddy, I think, right? Isn't it Ravi Shankar? That would be Ravi Shankar, yeah. Since being in a Beatles tribute band, um, were you already a Beatles fan, or did you become more of a connoisseur of the Beatles' material and history when you joined the band, or how'd that come about? I, I guess I was kind of like you, just a young buck, you know, with a guitar and all that when we were kids. But um, my sister. My sister was a huge Beatle fan. She was a little older than me, not much. And um, I, I just used to steal her records and stuff. She'd bring home Beatle records. She was mad about it. And um, um, her and my Uncle Mike and my Aunt Vicky all went to the, the... They were supposed to go to the concert at the Met Stadium in 65. My sister, my mom and dad said, you can't go. It's the devil's music. You can't go. So she didn't get to go, but she got back at him by buying more and more albums and I used to just kind of snicker them from her. I'd listen to the Beatles in that 60s. It was more later 60s that I caught on. She was into the early stuff, and she schooled me on the early stuff. I, w- I came in right about 67, 68. Would have, would have been Pepper and, uh, you know, uh, Abbey Road and stuff like that. So, But I 
I was just a musician. The Beatles weren't, you know, nobody ever thought they'd be as iconic as, conic, iconic as they are now. But, um, yeah, I, I grew up listening to a lot of different music and got into the 80s and um, got into the whole uh, 80s rock thing. Long hair rock, had hair down to my butt and <laughs> spandex and hairspray and everything. So I went through the 80s going through... Bon Jovi, White Snake, all that kind of stuff, and yeah. learning to scream like Brian Johnson and singing and all that, and that's that's how I built up my vocal strength anyway. But um, I, 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 long short story short, I I was in a band doing the bars around the cities, and the drummer from the Beatles Forever, which had been around since 1978, and they were just kind of floundering, and the guy came to the bar and seen me. In a, do twist and shout. He goes, "You gotta come. You gotta come play for my band." He, this guy's name was Jack Foster. He was the Ringo. You gotta come and just try out for the band. We're putting the Beatles back together. I'm like, oh, "Okay, well, that sounds interesting." <laughs> so I went to a little rehearsal studio in St. Paul and uh, met Brian uh, McGuire. He was the Paul. Dwight Sheridan was the George, and Jack Foster was the Ringo. And they, they didn't have. Uh, they just strictly did the Ed Sullivan stuff, the black suits. It was pretty simple. So I got in there and did twist and shot. He dragged me out, he goes. You're hired. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta do it. You gotta come and play with us. And I, they already had a guy that wasn't a very good guitar player, but he wasn't a very John Lennonish singer. So uh, I kind of uh, went from understudy to taking his place. So okay, that's for that's chapter one, I guess. <laughs> that's chapter one. Was it called Rubber Soul when you got into the band? No, it was it was still the Beatles Forever. Uh, it was two thousand one, and they were. Uh, Still the Beatles forever, and Jack was was pretty much running the band, and we we were together at that name for maybe a year and a half, and did a little touring. Um, they had a lot of notoriety at, at, as the Beatles forever, but uh, there was a lot of lawsuit problems with Apple Records as far as saying the Beatles in the name. Uh, that back then, uh, even that's not that far back, but even then they said that they sent us a cease and desist. Notice that they're going to come and, you know, scurry our gear away in, in the middle of the night. And we said, well, that's kind of a that's kind of a compliment that they would actually pay oh, attention yeah, to. Oh, yeah, heck us. yeah. So that happened. That, that was... Uh, Did Michael Jackson still own their material then? Well, he, um, not yet. I don't think he I don't think he owned it yet. Or did he? I know he split with McCartney. He the did. The catalog, yeah. Huh. Um, so you had to cut one check to Paul, one check to Michael Jackson? Yeah, pretty much. That was about it, yeah. One check to Yoko, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she, oh, Yoko. Yeah, yeah, she had to have her Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah. So we we went around as the Beatles forever and did a little touring for about a year and a half. And um, Jack decided uh, it wasn't cut out for him the way we were going. Because we, we had gotten involved with an agent that around the cities, uh, Roger Anderson, thank you very much, Evergreen Music, there's a plug, um, he came in and said, uh, you know, you guys should you guys should 
scurry out. You should uh, get, you know, not just the black suits, but Sergeant Pepper and Chase Stadium. He said there's so many looks to the Beatles. And he brought a Vegas uh, band called the Legends of Yesterday up to Minnesota to play a summer stock, <laughs> summer stock at uh, Valley Fair. So Brian and I uh, did a Lennon-McCartney thing with them from Vegas, and they showed us how to put on the Beatles show with the the full garb of Sgt. Pepper and everything. And that was the first time we went full boat to to go from just the Ed Sullivan show to the whole genre from head to toe to the Beatles. And it was amazing because they told us how to dress and makeup and wigs, and they were very experienced. Man, that's interesting. Um, where did you get that kind of get-up? Well, they had ordered, they had a lady in Chicago that... Um, had the she took pictures of, of uh, uh, some of the original uh, Pepper outfits. One was actually from the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of John Lennon's. It was detailed exactly. So she made mine up exactly detailed to the one that was hanging in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She would sew them up herself, you know, send me uh, $500, I'll send you the exact suit, and she would do that. That's who made all their suits. They said, um, you know, you got to have this suit if you're going to do this summer stock with us. And it was well worth it. I still have that same suit. I still wear that. It's the metals are real metals, real patches. And the design is so much John Lennon. It's, it's, it's amazing when I wear it. So how long did you go on this summer stock run for? It was, it was uh, three months. And I think Brian and I, we did two 20-minute sets at night. Uh, for like four nights in a row at Valley Fair, and it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, were you mostly focused, focusing on Pepper stuff then for that run? Um, were you in, incorporating their whole catalog? Well, it was it was a it was a fifty fifty thing. You'd come out and do the early set in the suits, or you'd change that up between that or uh, Shea Stadium, or you, you consider the early sets with the Beatles either like uh, Ed Sullivan, the Shea Stadium, or the Hard Days Night suits. You know, there was like three choices for early years, and then. The later set, you'd get like either Shea, um, you work in either Shea Stadium, Sgt. Pepper, or Abbey Road, you know, like do the John Lennon white suit thing. So, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Mr. Mike McDonough, thanks for being on the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Do you mind doing another a part two? I would, it'd be my honor. Excellent. So, we do a, a story behind the song segment. I don't want Paul McCartney to come after me, you know, but, but um, we can find a little clip of you guys doing something. Let's say, is there a, a memorable. What's one of your most memorable songs when you first started off with the band that I could maybe find a clip of online that, that, that you would like to share a story about performing? Um, the most memorable one, I can tell you right off the bat, is In My Life, is my favorite John Lennon song ever. And all my friends in Minneapolis that come and see us from the beginning to this day, uh, we still have a gathering of close friends at the front of the stage, and I sing them that song, and... We all weep and remember things that happened, how we started and, and how we got where we are. And it's a, it's, it's a personal thing shared with every show we do. So, uh, and there is a, if you go on rubbersoulthetribute.com, there's a song menu in the back. And there is In My Life, which is a version that I did all the instrumentals and everything okay. on that. So, put that on the end for sure. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. How did these guys write that stuff at the age of like, because in my life, I think is a relatively earlier mid-career song for those guys, isn't it? Right, right. Yeah. How did they were they that intelligent and that poetic at that young of age? Well, that's all they ever wanted to do, though. That's that was their mindset. You, you know, they they were poetic. Him and McCartney were 
um, just geniuses from the beginning, but that's, you know, they were artists. But then they decided that's all they ever want to do is write songs. They've seen how people were making livings at it. And they, they were they were uh, they were just clicking. McCartney and Lennon fed off each other. They were amazing together. They could finish each other's sentences. That's how close they were. They're, they're brothers in arms, you know. So, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool stuff. Uh, magic. Magic. Mike McDonough, a.k.a. John Lennon for Rubber Soul. Thanks for being on the Mark Stare Music Podcast. Please tune in next week for part two. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the music edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Until next time.